0: As we continue through our series of messages where we're talking about the book of Revelation, uh, I w- w- am thinking about one of the great heroes of church history, a man by the name of Savonarola, uh, Gialarmo, uh some call him uh, Geronimo, so it sounds like, but it's it's G-R-A-L-A-M-O, Um Savonarola, 15th century reformer, you know, in the time when Luther and Calvin were working to reform the church and bring about lead the the Great Reformation, within the Catholic Church there were those who were still trying to reform uh, the the Roman Catholic Church, and amongst the, the those reformers were uh, none was a stronger voice than Savonarola, a Dominican friar, um, which kind of sounds like somebody who makes donuts in. Uh, on an island in the Caribbean. But anyway, a Dominican friar, uh, Savonarola had the courage to preach against the immorality and the corruption of the church leaders. He did it in the shadows of Wycliffe and Huss after they had gone through uh, their suffering and even martyrdom. And before, actually, Luther and Tyndale came on the scene Even though he preached against the Medici's, when Lorenzo de' Medici died, he only entrusted one person to say his last prayer, to lead him in what they would call the last rites. He wanted Savonarola, even though Savonarola had spent so much of his life calling out the Medici's and their sinfulness. Among other things, Savonarola is remembered for preaching the book of Revelation. In the 1490s, Savonarola began to preach sermons about the book of Revelation, from the book of Revelation, and how it applied to that generation. And he wasn't just preaching someday in the future You know, Jesus is going to come back. And someday in the future, this is going to apply to some people. You know, once Israel gets reestablished in the promised land as a nation, then someday the book of Revelation will be able to be known to us and be fulfilled. He preached, as somebody has said, the corruption described in the book of Revelation as describing that generation. The judgments described in the book of Revelation's pages applying to the corrupt church in the sinful world of his day. He called them to repentance and to faithfulness to God in their day because he read the the book of Revelation and said, God's talking about our day. God's talking about our church and our generation. He's calling us to obedience through the book of Revelation. The last time. I shared here. We talked about, um, uh, we were beginning this quick series of messages through, uh, or devotions through revelation. And I began talking about some of the assumptions of the book of revelation. For instance, revelation has been interpreted by so many different people in so many different ways that we have to be gracious in our, in our interpretations of it. That, um, that okay, We don't have to all agree on our deductions. We do have to agree. The point of Revelation is Jesus is coming back. Be ready for him. Now, what we do with all the specifics and and how literal or figurative or whatever, thats we can all be f- f- in fellowship with each other and disagree. We need to be gracious. Second, I also pointed out that it, the book of Revelation was given to us by God to be a revelation of and from Jesus Christ. It is an uncovering of Jesus. It's not a covering up. It's intended to be practical and understood in every generation. Anybody who ever teaches revelation in a way that makes it unapproachable is doing a disservice to the book of Revelation. This is why I find Savonarola so instructive. Savonarola read Revelation, and he understood it isn't primarily trying to figure out the dates and the activities for some events in the distant future. He understood it was very practical for his moment in history, and he wasn't wrong. Or I would just suggest, do we think it's not a little bit arrogant for us to think that he was completely wrong? He completely misunderstood. How could he understand? Because... You know, unless he understands that, you know, Israel had to become a nation in 1948 for this to become understandable. He preached Revelation as an indictment of unfaithfulness and a call to faithfulness and repentance in his generation. In the words of Revelation 2.10, he taught them, Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer, but be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. With that in mind, let's continue the introduction of Revelation. Revelation one one a revelation of Jesus Christ. It is an uncovering of Jesus Christ. That's our assumption, which God gave to show His bond servants to be understood of the things that must soon take place. And He sent, um, and He sent and communicated it by His angel to His bond servant John. Next assumption. To understand the book of Revelation, we have to first understand the first audience for the book of Revelation is John. God makes it very clear from this first verse. It is, first of all, a revelation to John. That is not just a hint that we are supposed to read the book of Revelation through the eyes of John. The best way to understand the book of Revelation is not to say, Oh, what does this mean to me? Oh, how does this, how can I understand this because of the the newspaper that I have in front of me today? The best way to understand the book of Revelation is to begin by saying, How is this meaningful to John? How is this a message to John? Note here, he says, The things which must soon take place. Interesting value for time there. What does that mean? Must soon take place. Again, the danger is that we'll just kind of automatically project a meaning into that rather than allowing the text to define itself, to understand the text by the context of it. Remember, we've already learned that revelation is of and from Jesus Christ to show his bond servants. Now we need to understand what does this mean for John as the first audience. Now, remember, John is the last surviving disciple. He is, on, um, he is on the island of Patmos after a lifetime of faithful service to Jesus. What is his reward? He's watched as his fellow disciples were um, um, martyred, most if not all of them. He has watched himself be uh, beaten. Exec- or, uh, att- they attempt, according to history, they... They tried to boil him in oil. And now he is there alone on the island of Patmos after a lifetime of faithful service. What do you think John needs in that time? One of the classic mistakes of biblical interpretation is, is immediately saying, is forgetting that immediate context. But think how encouraging is this message? To John. And then think, John's going to be sharing this with the first century church. How is it encouraging for them? Um, I'm probably going to say this again any interpretation of the book of Revelation that makes it a closed book for John and for the first century church and for other Christians in the past uh, is an interpretation that I think has to be taken with suspicion. Verse 2. By his angel to his servant, John, who testified to the word of God, underline that word testified to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything that he saw. You are going to see that word testify or testimony throughout the book of of, of Revelation. Bless the one who, who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written it for the time is near. Again, underline those words, testimony and testify. You know what the root word is for that, by the way? You know what the Greek word is for testimony or testify? The Greek word is martyros. The word from which we get our word, martyr. Who is a faithful witness? One who gives faithful testimony? It is somebody who uh, is is so believes in what he's testifying of that he's willing to die for his testimony. This is John on the island of Patmos, a faithful witness. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and who keep the things that are written in it for the time is near. Who's blessed? Not just the one who reads, not just the one who listens, but also the one who Reads, listens, and keeps, obeys these words. Again, hear the implication. Jesus is promising blessing to John and to us by extension, but it also means he expects what he's saying to be understood. Blessed is the one who reads the book of Revelation, who listens to the words of Revelation, and who understands them and is therefore able to obey them to follow them. Hearing and understanding Revelation is so expected that at the end of the book of Revelation, the same thing is communicated. Verse, chapter 22, verse 18. I testify to everybody who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anybody adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anybody takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life from the Holy City, which are written in this book. See, the book of Revelation begins and ends with, God expects us to understand this. See, he expects that we won't take away from it or add to it. Why? Because we understand it. We understand it well enough not to take away from it, not to add to it, you see. Again, this is a good place for us to stop today. The book of Revelation is a practical help for Christians in every generation because first, it was a practical book to help John, who is exiled on the island of Patmos after a lifetime of faithful witnessing for God. He is the one who God is giving the encouragement, be faithful unto death, martyr, potential martyr. You are the kind of person who would, the witness is the kind of person who's faithful even unto death that you will receive a crown of life. That's the theme of the book of Revelation for Christians of every century, for Savonarola in the 14th century and 15th century. What if the book of Revelation, rather than telling us about specific events that are going to happen in some specific period, future period of time, what if Revelation is practical for everybody today? What if Revelation tells the story of spiritual warfare for John and for us. What if Revelation, in Revelation what we get is picture after picture after picture of the spiritual warfare that we are all in, that Christians are in, that John was in the first century, that the first century church was in, that the 14th and 15th century experienced and that we experience as well. It is just picture after picture after picture of the reality of our spiritual warfare where Satan looks like he's winning and the world looks like he's winning and God's people Look like they're losing. And John looks like he's defeated. What does he have to show for his life? A, a life of faithfulness. It's not an easy life. It's not appreciation and and, and and a day at the beach. It's exile. It's the grief of watching his friends get martyred. What, what if the message in the book of Revelation is, John, be faithful unto death, and it'll be worth it all. And its strength for suffering. And that's what Savonarola needed. That's what we need today as well. Oh, by the way, I think that's why verse three adds what it does. Did you notice how it ends? Blessed is the one who reads and who hears the words of the prophecy and keeps these things which are written in it, for the time is near. So obey, listen, hear, obey with urgency. The time is near. Now, when you think about the time is near, what immediately comes to mind? See, we tend to think in terms of chronological time. We tend to think the time is near. We want to put it on the calendar. Christmas is just around the corner, you know, or New Year's is just around the corner. I guess it is now. The time is near. Um, And if that's what Jesus were wanting to say to John, there's a Greek word for that, which is the word chronos, which is the word from which we get our word chronology, chronological time. But that's not the word that's used here. It's not the chronological time is near. It is the kairos, the era, the season, the... In other words, John is not God. Jesus is not wanting us to look at our watches. He's not wanting John to say, "Hey, John, look at your watch," because Jesus is going to come back while you're still alive. In fact, one of the one of the profound, I think, um, realities of the Book of Revelation is that every generation has believed Jesus could return in their generation. Every generation of Christians has read the book of Revelation with the assumption Jesus could return right now. You know that, I mean, it's very clear in the first century there were people that fully expected that Jesus would return before the disciples would die. Jesus is not saying to John, put it on your calendar. I'm gonna come back while you're still alive. The message is urgency, be ready just as I use, I've shared the um, illustration with you before. If I say to you, Hey, I'll be back in a minute. You're not upset if it takes me five minutes to come back. When I say, Hey, I'll be back in a minute. What's it I'm using a literal time value. I'll be back in 60 seconds. I'll be back in a minute to really communicate a message. And the message is, I'll be back soon. You can count on it. Be ready. And that's the same thing when he says, the time is near. The, the, it's, it's what Jesus says before he leaves the earth. Watch and wait. Be ready. One of the warnings throughout the New Testament um, is that Jesus will return, how? As a thief in the night. But Paul says in Thessalonians, but he should, but don't let him come as a thief in the night because you're ready. For those who are ready, he doesn't come as a thief in the night because you're re- in the night because you're ready. And so the same thing when he says the time is near, he's saying you be ready. Understand what I'm saying to you is true, and you can take it to the bank, and know that I am coming back. Book of Revelation ends the same way. Revelation twenty twenty. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, that's not a lie because Jesus didn't return in the first century. It's not a lie that because Jesus hasn't returned for 20 centuries. The message is clear. He's coming quickly. He's coming, and you can count on it. You can be assured. Don't doubt Jesus could come at any time, live, ready, live every day with the attitude of he's coming soon. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. What would it look like for you today to live as a faithful witness who's ready, always saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come, perhaps today. Would it change your life if you lived with that kind of urgency for Jesus' return? Think of the Savonarolas. Think of the martyrs like John Huss, who did not love life so much, but loved Jesus more and so gave everything for him. John Huss, if I would conclude with this, lived in a time when the church was so corrupt. Leaders were sinful. There were actually three popes At the time, each was denying the other. They sold indulgences. They didn't allow people to take of both emblems in the communion. Huss dared to challenge all of those things. Even, I mean, challenging transubstantiation got him in big trouble. But uh, got him arrested and jailed and tortured and eventually executed. But Huss said, seek the truth. Before his execution, he said, Seek the truth, listen to the truth, learn the truth, love the truth, tell the truth, defend the truth, even in death. That's the message of the book of Revelation. That's the message that we get from Jesus in the book of Revelation. Before his execution, looking to Jesus, Huss said, What I've taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. Faithful witness. Faithful unto death, burned at the stake, knowing that he would receive the crown of life. In view of Revelation, what would it look like for you to live as a faithful witness today? Anybody you need to forgive? Any priorities that you need to rearrange? Any boldness you need to hang on to? How would it influence your worry today if you really believed Jesus could return any moment? How would it affect your passion for evangelism, the way that you treat your time, your money, your abilities? Revelation 2.10, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be faithful witnesses, knowing you could return. And so we say with we say with the book of Revelation, Lord, even so, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. to Christ I pray. Amen. Next time, we'll pick it up there.